Squad. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fantasy football. This is TJ, the squad leader. How's everyone today? Jonathan, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Wonderful. Tyler, how about yourself? I'm doing good. It was a crazy week of football. It was a crazy week of football, and today we're going to go over as many games as we can. We only have a short amount of time. We're also going to talk about a few highlights. Uh, There was an interesting conversation we're going to have about the Bears' backfield, as well as what happened with the Rams' wide receivers and Lamar Jackson's just stellar performance today. But before we get into all that, we have some injury talk we've got to get through. So, Tyler, why don't you take us through some of the big injuries this week from Tariq Hill to Nick Foles? Well, we'll start off with the Chiefs. They actually had uh, two injuries in the game. Uh, Tariq Hill broke his clavicle, so he will be out for at least four weeks. So if you have Sammy Watkins, you just hit the jackpot. And then well, well, what is that Patrick do? Mahomes sprained his ankle, but well, he's back. He was back in the game. Yeah, I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes, but uh, does that mean that Sammy Watkins is now Tariq Hill in fantasy? I don't know. He looked better than Tariq Hill on that uh, game Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, he looked really good, but for me, I've always been so, like, restraint against Sammy Watkins because he's always supposed to be good, and he almost never is. He has shown flashes in the past, but, yeah, he certainly looked very, very good with the Chiefs. On top of that, Tyreek Hill, we have more. There is so many injury news. Tevin Coleman out with an ankle, so be looking high, for that Matt Breda share right there. It was a high ankle sprain, wasn't it, Tyler? Yeah, and so they, they said he'll at least – be out for one week so I mean if you have Matt Brady shares there's another guy that's going up yeah and full-on high ankle sprains I was just going to say this full-on high ankle sprains for the fantasy owners usually that's more than a one-week injury usually they'll say that and it usually lingers for two or three and what's interesting about that is that that 49ers backfield was already kind of in question on who's going to start and now that Tevin Coleman's out of the way with Jarrett McKinnon out of the way it looks like Mac Breed is going to get the lion's share of those carries in uh, 49er land. Yeah, it's only Matt Breed and Raheem Mostert right now, and Mostert's more of a uh, special teams type guy. But yeah. I, I just wanted to point out that I did say that Matt Breed was the guy to buy out of the backfield while everyone else was saying Tevin Coleman. <laughs> you did. I told you, you did. I told you he was going yeah. to get hurt, and he got hurt. That's all I'm going to say you about did. that. But, but they did, did you say that about Tevin Coleman and McKinnon or – no, I just said that that was after McKinnon got hurt. Uh, uh, and so I said it about Tevin Coleman because he has a history of having these two or three weeks out. And so Matt, Matt Breida, he got hurt in that game. But guess what? Matt Breida is a okay. just came okay. back. Okay, we don't need this right now. Let's get through these injuries so we get into these games. Any okay. other Nick significant Cole ones? broke his clavicle. Uh, so Garner Minshew, he looked pretty hot in that Jacksonville game. I think he, he threw a touchdown and an interception. But the first drive he was in, he went four for four and they got a field goal out of it. And so he was kind of that driving force in that game. Well, Gardner Minshew, um, while he might not have done anything spectacular, he did in the game with only one incompletion, I believe. I believe he was 17 out of 18, So what are you if, uh, doing if I'm as, not mistaken. So what are you doing as a fantasy owner? Obviously, Foles is not going to be out. They've already said he's not going to be out for the whole season. They placed him on IR, but he's not going to be out the whole season. Are you getting his backup and, and holding on to him? Is he a viable – second or even third option if you have that kind of room on your roster? I mean, it just depends on how bad your dynasty league team is because, I mean, obviously in uh, one-year leagues, short benches, anything like that, redraft league style, he's not an option yet. 
No. Yeah, most likely, if you don't have a deep league with a bunch of farm players, then Garner Minshew is probably on that waiver wire. Even with those deep leagues, he's probably still on that waiver wire because he's he's just somebody that you didn't think was going to start this year. Well, and if you're on, a, if you're if you're in a one year league and you happen to have Nick Foles, do you cut him and just just cut bait with him and try and find someone else, or do you keep him around and hope he comes back mid season? I would, especially if it's not super flex, because if it's super flex, then you probably can't find another quarterback. You would off the waiver wires. You would yeah, I would, I would, I would cut him. He's, I mean, I think he'll be out for at least six weeks. So well, and we, in there. Yeah, and what I was going to say is, with a broken clavicle, we've seen these type of injuries before in Dallas land with Mister Romo. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't the same injury, but same area of injury, and they tend to be easily hurt again. These these type of injuries are easily to redo, especially so, um, to a quarterback who who's had good seasons, but uh, is kind of a wishy-washy guy when it comes to a full season of play. Yeah. All right, Tyler, are there any other major injuries we can get to real quick? Uh, Joe Mixon had a problem with his ankle, but I think he'll be back this next week. Mike Williams hurt his knee. Uh, they're supposed to be going to get an MRI on it, so we'll see if that's anything serious. His only backups are Travis Benjamin and Dontrell Inman. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster hurt his toe, but he'll be back next week. Devin Funches. Uh, broke his collarbone, so he is probably out for the season. Deion Kane is the guy to get there, I think. And then lastly, well, two more guys. Darius Geis had a problem with his knee. He's probably going to be out next week. He's supposed to be getting an MRI, so Adrian Peterson is going to get the start there. And then the one I thought was pretty funny was Albert Wilson, quote-unquote, had a calf issue in the game. I don't think he wanted to be in that game with the against the Ravens because it, it was something, well, something to behold. Talking about Ravens Dolphins, uh, I heard through the grapevine that there's a lot of Dolphins players that want to play somewhere else this year because of how just <laughs> awful they played, man. And and we can jump right into that because at the end of that game, we yep. had a score of fifty nine to ten. That's it's a about five, like a, that's a five and a nine. In case you guys didn't catch that, <laughs> uh, looks like it looks like the Power Five playing the <laughs> Division Two. Well, in college football, it's just sad. Like Miami, I saw an NFL Network guy, like a professional, say Miami was a high school defense today. <laughs> it honestly might have been. Well, the way, you know, the way Lamar Jackson, and that's the start of our topic anyways, the way he played was, I mean, I got to admit, I'm not a, I was not a big Lamar Jackson guy. I don't, I don't like the mobile quarterbacks in the NFL because they don't tend to do well. There are a few exceptions. But I think Lamar Jackson might be the exception because not only is he mobile, but he can throw the ball pretty well too. And it and it doesn't I, and it doesn't hurt to have some of the guys he has on his roster who also blew up this week. Yep, I was uh, I was also not high on Lamar Jackson last year. He averaged well under ten points per game as a fantasy quarterback. Just nothing you could depend on, nothing you would even have on your team last year. And he comes out this week to open the year, and as he said, not bad for a running back. Kind of like that. Yeah. Goes 17 for 20, 324 yards, five touchdowns, perfect 158.3 passer rating. The absolute perfect game you could play. Wasn't even in the game the entire game. They had RG3 in who threw six passes at the end of the game. He was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, giving credit to his offensive line, because the Dolphins didn't even come close to touching him, giving yeah. credit to Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews well, and Lee Sneed and the rest of the crew for being 
Well, before we move on, um, Lamar Jackson has the Cardinals at home next week, which uh, we'll get into a little bit of Kyler Murray in a minute. But uh, are you – I mean, for me, if I had Lamar Jackson on any of my teams, he'd be the number two at this point. But after this week's performance, um, are you putting him as your starting quarterback, Tyler, uh, week two against the Cardinals? Oh, yeah, I would definitely put him up there against the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are kind of that – middle of the pack, maybe lower in defense. And I think Lamar Jackson, he didn't really show off his wheels in that Miami game because he didn't have to. But I think in this uh, Cardinals game, he might get 50 or 60 yards rushing, wow. plus throwing that ball to Mark Andrews, who looked like an absolute monster in that game. Yeah, Mark Andrews. Jonathan just called it, by the way, in yeah. our breakdown. So you guys can yeah. go listen to that. Just a shout out from uh, the old uh, – I'd like to point out to everyone involved that um, – those of you who have listened and took our advice, you probably had a very, very good week if you started the players we said to. And Mark Andrews just happened to be one of our breakouts. And Jonathan called it. But I think we were all in agreement that Mark Andrews would be a, a very good tight end this year. Uh, John, you got anything to say about him? Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, last year he didn't, you know, have a situation as far as an offense goes. We all saw how heavy of a run team they were last year. When he did get his opportun- opportunities, his metrics were really high. So it points to a thing where I-, I guess this year I really trusted what John Harbaugh was saying as far as how they were switching the offense. And it proved it this week. They switched their offense. They switched what they were doing. And Mark Andrews comes out and puts up eight for 108 and a touchdown. He had eight targets, eight catches. This guy is going to be as reliable of a tight end as you can get past the big three, I would say. I think he's going to end the year from what I saw tonight, better than Jared Cook. I've never been a Jared Cook guy. He's been a journeyman that everybody loves. I think Mark Andrews is better tight end. Uh, guys like Njoku, he might be higher than because there's so many options on that team. I think Mark Andrews is going to turn out to be the steel tight end of the year. And unless you have one of those top three tight ends, someone like Mark Andrews could really change your team for the better. Uh, to have a guy that's top of the top of that second tier tight end could really change your season for you. Yeah, I mean, it really could because you look at most teams, and if you don't have Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle, I mean, there's a hole. Now, Evan Ingram is possibly going to jump into that mix. They're going to use Evan Ingram a lot, so there might be four like that at the end of the year that are just in the wide receiver numbers. If you don't have one of those four guys, I think, a lot of times you're left in a hole. If you bet on Jared Cook this week, you only got around three points. Um, In joke, you got ten. So, I mean, not bad. Uh, Austin Hooper got, you know, I think it was 11. Um, it, it was mixed lot, up. Austin Hooper got 10 and Joku got 11. Yeah, so a lot of these guys are, you know, putting up solid numbers um, as far as the middle of the road tight ends. It's just Mark Andrews is going to, from what we saw today, be one of the top two leading receivers on the Ravens offense, I think, because Marquise Hollywood Brown, you see what he's about. He's about the deep ball. He's about the big play threat. And he's even at Oklahoma was not the reception kind of guy that went to CD lamb as when you looked at Oklahoma, when Kyler Murray was playing there, um, Hayden Hurst is going to be another little option at tight end. Willie Sneed's a decent receiver, but to me, I mean, Mark Andrews is the leading guy on the passing game for Mark, uh, for Baltimore. I should yeah, say. I agree. And, and Tyler, so who are you buying off this Ravens team? Cause for me, I'm taking Lamar Jackson, I'm taking Mark Andrews, and I'm probably taking Marquise Brown because 
Um, he looked very, very good in his opening debut with the Ravens. Well, let's not forget Mark Ingram looked like his old uh, self. And Mark in Ingram, too. Mark Ingram I, had two touchdowns this game. Yeah, he, he's a buy for me, definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree on Mark Ingram. Uh, you see what a full workload and a – I mean, I don't think the Ravens probably have a better offensive line than New Orleans, but the system for Mark Ingram seems to fit what Mark Ingram's about, and so it, it translated. Yeah, and I was a little scared uh, with Mark Ingram. I'm always a little hesitant, but what he did with the Saints and now what he's doing with the Ravens, yeah, he, he's a viable option to start at that. Uh, probably I'm not going to give him the number one spot at the running back position, but I give him the number two or maybe a great flex position for you. I think that's a yeah. great spot for him. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really want to get too over the top with these Ravens guys, some of them, because they did play the Dolphins, who are projected to probably have the number one overall pick, probably yeah. the worst defense in the league. But there are some takeaways. You're still an NFL team, and as a quarterback, you have a perfect pass, perfect passer rating against them. That says about as much as you can say. Yeah, and we, um, we – I mean, yeah, it, it, there's only a few guys that stood out on that Ravens team. Actually, there was a lot, but there's only a few guys that I'm really buying for the rest of the season, and Lamar Jackson is definitely one of those. Was there anybody from the Dolphins that stood out to you guys at all? Because uh, I, there wasn't a lot of <laughs> offense that was done, but there was one guy that scored a touchdown and uh, just happened to be another one of our breakouts for this year. Yeah, that was uh, Jacob's breakout, which he heard from through the grapevine from me. I was so high on Preston Williams coming out of Colorado State. When he came out, he was undrafted. He looked great in his first preseason game. Then after that, he kind of quieted down. But uh, on Sunday, he had three receptions, only 24 yards, and one touchdown. But the catches he made were something something to behold he made toe tapping catches every single catch all three catches were all toe taps and it's and something it, to be said that, good. and it's something to be said that uh on that Dolphins team he was the only one to walk away with the touchdown I mean that means a lot especially for that Dolphins team that's looking like John said like they're going to have the first round draft pick at the end of the year yeah, yeah I, and I mean it was him and Devontae Parker on that offense Devontae Parker had three receptions 75 yards but Preston Williams on him I, I just I can't stop talking about the guy on his touchdown play. He made his defender fall down because he made a cut, a slant to the end zone. He made his defender fall down. It was, oh my goodness. Go ahead, John. Sorry, I just love the man. Well, I was just gonna. It's an interesting fact because Preston Williams is a relatively unknown coming into the preseason. He has a good preseason, and uh, because the Dolphins have such a bad situation at, I mean, let's be honest, every position. Um, Preston Williams comes in. And immediately, in the first NFL game of his career, he's the third leading target. Or he, <laughs> I said that bad. He's the guy with the third most targets on the team. Devontae Parker had seven, only caught three passes. That's something to watch. That's not a great ratio. Mike Jacecki had two, uh, two catches on six targets. That's not a great ratio. Preston Williams had three on five. I think Preston Williams um, – while he might not put up huge numbers this year, if you got a super flex or a dynasty league, he's someone to stash. Because while this year isn't going to be any type of, I don't think, huge you know, culmination uh, for Preston Williams, he does look like the future of the receiving core in Miami, at least right now, with nobody else emerging. And I think Tyler would tell you that if you have a dynasty team, he's a great guy to have on your bench, for sure. Even this year, uh, just before he starts breaking out and you never know what can happen in a season. So perhaps next year the Dolphins will be better. And you never know what will happen this season. Perhaps the Dolphins 
uh, turn it all around and uh, Preston Williams becomes a, you know, a top tier wide receiver this year. Yeah. I just wanted to add two notes on, on Preston Williams for dynasty purposes. If Josh Rosen gets in at quarterback uh, more than I think he played like six snaps in the Sunday game, but if he gets in and is a starting quarterback, look for Preston Williams because in preseason, that's the only guy he wanted to throw to. And then next year, if the Dolphins get a competent quarterback, maybe a Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, someone like that, then Preston Williams could really blow up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did, mean, I did also uh, want to point out just a fun stat for you guys that I thought was interesting. Um, the Ravens scored 59. This was the most points they have ever scored in team history against the Dolphins. 59 was their benchmark. <laughs> With Lamar Jackson, they won a Super Bowl as well in the last uh, 10 years. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I'd like to jump on from here because we could probably talk about the Ravens because, again, they put up the most points this week. We could probably talk about them all day long. Uh, but I'd like to jump into an interesting conversation, and it was not a good game at all, um, not in the slightest. That would be the Bears and Packers, that Thursday night game. 10-3 uh, Packers with one touchdown the whole game. <laughs> field goals. But my question to you guys is, John, one of your breakouts this year was David Montgomery. Tyler, you've always liked Tariq Cohen. Uh, I don't think any of us really liked Mike Davis, but at the end of the game, you had Mike Davis with five carries and 19 yards with zero touchdowns, six receptions, 17 yards. You had David Montgomery with six carries for 18 yards and mm -hmm. one reception for 27. And you had Tariq Cohen uh, not running the ball one time, but catching eight passes for 49 yards. So from what I can tell from the Bears, it looks like Tariq Cohen is basically a receiver, and they used him as such. Um, but out of those three guys, does it worry you that they split those guys pretty evenly on playing time? I mean, as far as the running back goes, Mike Davis and Dave Montgomery pretty much had the same amount of carries and the well, same I'm... amount of yards, and nobody had any touchdowns. Do you want to go? I will say, I will say, for me personally looking at this, if I had to choose a running back, I think Tariq Cohen, yes, will be on the field and he will catch passes. But they're not using him to run the ball. I think from watching Mike Davis and David Montgomery play, I think David Montgomery has the edge just because I liked what he was doing a little bit more. He had, a, he had more of a, a broken tackle type thing. He just couldn't get any movement whatsoever with that uh, Bears offense. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to point out, I think uh, Jacob, our – Longtime podcast host, uh, he told me that Tariq Cohen didn't have a carry either. Tariq Cohen had one carry in that game. It was okay. called back because of a flag. He would have had four yards. It got called back because of a flag. So Tariq Cohen, he, he will still run the ball. I think he'll still have maybe 50 carries in the year, which isn't much. But, yeah, he played almost 100% of the snaps in that slot position. So he's a viable uh, fantasy asset as of right now. Uh, and then Mike Davis and the David Montgomery thing, I, I just – want to say something to Mike Nagy because he talked up David Montgomery as the guy all off season and he didn't use him as such. I mean, I yeah. think David Montgomery had 3.3 yards to carry and Mike Davis had 3.9, something like that. But uh, you, you could well, see Mike Davis had more holes to run through and David Montgomery, I think if you give him those 20 touches, he can, he can be something special. I just think right now it's a matter of time till David Montgomery uh, proves his dominance and gets Mike Davis. David Montgomery ended off the, the week with a three-point average per carry, and Mike Davis was 3.8 per carry. I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about the running back situation because I think the Bears just got caught in a, in a trap and they couldn't get themselves out of it. I do think Mr. Bisky and those and Allen Robinson and 
uh, those guys the Bears have will, will, will pull themselves out, you know, in the next couple of weeks. I just think they got caught up in that uh, Packers defense that played just lights out. But, John, yeah. you're a big I'll, I'll, Montgomery guy, so why don't you give us your two cents on it? It's my time now because we're talking about David Montgomery. Um, I want to say a couple things. The uh, Bears offense as a whole, I really didn't understand what they were doing. Mitchell Trubisky threw 45 passes against the Packers. That really bothered me as far as a system set up because Matt Nagy historically has been a guy who trusts in the run, at least when he had Kareem Hunt. Um, he has a guy now with David Montgomery who we've seen could catch the ball. I mean, he had one catch for 27 yards. He breaks it open. I don't know why they don't use that kind of setup more. Um, he only gave the ball to running backs. What, what would this be? 15 total times. He only gave the ball to running backs 15 total times, all running backs. That's, uh, well, included Mitchell Trubisky three runs. So he had Mike Davis run the ball five times, Montgomery six, and Corderell Patterson run it one time for negative two yards. I'm not worried at all. I think they see their problem. They didn't have a good setup. They had Trubisky throw the ball too much. They had 10 penalties. They're going to give the ball more to David Montgomery going forward in the future. This might have just been a – you know, a timid sort of thing as far as they're playing their rival. Um, they got caught up in a really good Packers defense that was shutting Trubisky down. And um, I don't have a good explanation for how the Bears ran their offense, but I think it will get better. So, John, you're going to keep David Montgomery at that number two spot for next week, uh, just hoping that he'll improve? Well, this first week, I actually wasn't big on starting David Montgomery outright. I had him breaking out going next week and big time in week three was I thought when David Montgomery was really going to have start having bigger games. I think they'll see that he'll, he can be more involved in the passing game. And I think he'll start getting, you know, closer to 15 to 17 carries. So you suggest maybe holding off on week two and just saving him for week three, especially if you have a viable option at that, that number two spot in the running back position. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a how your team's set up. If you got to roll with David Montgomery, I think next week he'll have a, an increase for sure because they, I think they know what they have. They just didn't use it as much as they should have. Yeah. But, yeah, I think week three is when he'll start to break out a little bit. Um, and, you know, Trubisky's not going to continue to throw the ball 45 times, I don't think, if they want to have a, you know, playoff caliber team like they did last year. Yeah, I agree with that. Was there any – Standouts on the Packers, other than, I guess, Aaron Rodgers. He had one good drive. Uh, it was kind of disappointing for Devontae Adams' owners because he didn't do so well. Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones didn't do, I guess, terrible, but he didn't do very good either. Yeah, well, it was kind of the same with the Packers as it was with the Bears. Uh, you know, usually when Aaron Rodgers is at his best is when his run game's kind of getting going. I mean, you look back at the – uh, Eddie Lacy days and Eddie Lacy, you know, have a hundred yards a game. And those are the games that Aaron Rodgers threw for 300, 400 yards. They, they need to get that run going. I think they, you know, they want to make Jamal Williams for some reason, they want to make him a, a little handcuff guy to Aaron Jones. But you could see on a lot of the plays, Aaron Jones, he would get hit in the backfield. He's playing the top defense from last year. So, I think if they get Aaron Jones going, give him 20 touches a game, I, I, I think you keep Aaron Jones at the moment. Yeah, I and, think Aaron – You know, I Devontae, think, Devontae Adams was getting double teamed most of the time, so I no, think I'm, keep him yeah. too. He'll, he'll, have, he'll have his games. I mean, that, Devontae, this Adams, kind of, 
Adams will end up as a top 10 receiver for sure. And, and Jones is a viable flex or number two if you've got him. Uh, so I'm not worried about him. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to do what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. It just was an all-around bad performance from the NFC North in general mm. this week. Uh, the Vikings were the only standout team, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, but yeah. moving, moving on to the, another big game, we had the Chiefs and the Jaguars. And I thought personally that um, it, was a, it was a great outing. I mean, obviously Tariq Cohen went down. Uh, Tariq Cohen, I'm sorry. Tariq Hill went down. And Sammy Watkins stood up, and, and he took over that game for sure. Yeah, even I mean, before Tariq Hill went down, he was, he was balling out. I think he had a 72- or 73-yard touchdown on, like, a one-play drive. It was ridiculous. It was, like, on their, their second drive or something. Well, uh, their Sammy first Watkins. drive, their first drive of the game, their third play, he had that big, That's long touchdown. Their, their third play of the season, they erupted like that. Sammy Watkins – put out nine catches, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. This was by far the best game of his career. And you know um, what's interesting about that Sammy Watkins stat is that I looked it up before the game and only 9% of fantasy owners started him week one. Mm, Bit of a shame. I saw TJ in one of your games, the guy playing against you did not start Sammy Watkins. Yes, thank God. I still <laughs> lost that game, but thank God because I would have got blown out. Yeah, Sammy Watkins – you know, it's like I was saying earlier, I, I've never been a Sammy Watkins guy because he's always supposed to do something great, and he doesn't. He has a few games of flashes. Do you think, um, as I asked earlier, do you think that this means Sammy Watkins is now a viable number one or two wide receiver or even a flex guy for you? Well, they certainly seem to want to make him a viable option. They targeted him three more times than Travis Kelsey. Um, I mean, there was nothing about Sammy Watkins' game that screamed mediocre this time around he had uh I mean, he had different routes that he was running which was impressive he had broken tackle ability he looked quicker than he normal do normally does I mean just judging from what I've seen in the past he looked faster I don't know what that was about if he if he got faster or if he's had nagging injuries for so long um it doesn't hurt to play with Patrick Mahomes though uh, no. for for no. sure and, and that's one good thing about being Sammy Watkins is you're on a team with the very prolific quarterback, the number one quarterback in the league in fantasy. So it's always good to have Sammy Watkins. I mean, personally, I'm starting him next week. I'm starting him week two with the performance he had this week and with the simple fact that Patrick Mahomes is still on that team. Uh, Jamie Williams looked very good in this game too. I mean, he didn't blow up or anything, but he looked pretty well. He looked pretty good in that game. He, he was great in the pass game. He wasn't as good in the run game. LaShawn McCoy kind of took that over. But, yeah, it's looking like a split backfield, like Andy Reid was saying. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, when he started getting going, he took the majority of the rushes and did what he – I think he had 80 yards. And then Damian Williams was kind of that pass catching back. And they had uh, Darwin Thompson in there for one play. I think it was a catch for three yards. So, I mean, I think they're, they're trying to get LaShawn McCoy going because Andy Reid loves the guy. And so, I, I don't know. I would – I would hold off on that Damian Williams hype just a little bit longer. I would, of course, play him in this second week. But uh, a guy that I want to say to look out for is Demarcus Robinson. Uh, he's a backup wide receiver, and so I, th I think he'll he'll be fit in there to replace that Tyreek Hill role, either him or McCole Harmon, uh, probably McCole Harmon. But Demarcus Robinson, if you have a deeper dynasty league, he might be a nice stash. Yeah, there's, a, there's always – you can't go wrong with grabbing somebody from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, was there anybody on the Jaguars that stood out to you guys? Um, I mean, obviously we had the injury to Nick Foles, which is, 
just devastating for me personally because uh, he was my backup plan in, in one of my dynasty leagues. So. But was there any standouts on that Jags team to anybody? Yeah, well, DJ Shark looked amazing. Yes, he did. Yeah, he looked very good. Was say. He was a deep ball threat. And then D.D. Westbrook looked pretty good too. The only guy I didn't really like in that game was Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Fournette, <laughs> was, Fournette was definitely an underperformer. But that DJ Shark, man, I mean, he definitely showed up. I mean, he is – uh, sure, surely a talent there. I just wonder if it was something that's going to last all season or if it was just a one-week kind of boom or bust kind of, kind of deal with him. Well, it's hard to tell because he ha- kind of had a Marquise Hollywood Brown type performance where he only had four targets, had four catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. So that lends itself to, you know, he's a big play, deep ball guy, which doesn't always translate. If you don't have a consistent deep ball guy, it doesn't always translate, and you're going to be disappointed some with guys like that. But DJ Shark definitely showed that he's the guy to take the lid off of defenses in this offense. When I talked about Gardner Minshew earlier, I said 17 of 18. He was at one point. I was wrong, though. He finished 22 of 25 uh, for 275 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Still a viable fantasy performance, so I don't know about stashing him. I mean, stash him on a deep dynasty league. Uh, Chris Conley. The old chief actually put out a pretty good performance, too. He had six catches uh, out of seven targets, the most targeted guy, 97 yards and a touchdown. Um, The Jacksonville receiving core looks, you know, a little bit better than maybe we thought they were going to be coming into the year. I mean, Shark, Conley, and Westbrook all had touchdowns and – I mean, it gives a little bit of hope to have it, to stashing some of these Jacksonville guys. And you know what's good about having a Jacksonville uh, wide receiver is that although the Jaguars gave up, you know, uh, 40 points in this game, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's something to be expected. That, that Jaguars defense is still a very good defense. So defense like that on the field, I think that we're, we could look to some of those receivers and hopefully Leonard Fournette in the future to put up some real numbers at the end of the season. Leonard Fournette's going to have to quit fumbling, man. That's going to get him take, That's going to get him run out of Jacksonville if he keeps fumbling the ball. That's for sure. Um, we did have another big scoring game and a bit of a down performance from my boy Baker Mayfield with three interceptions. Browns Oof. and Titans, 43-13. to 13. Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions in that game, by the way. And while I don't expect that performance all year, that was definitely a letdown. I had personally, I had three guys that came out of that Titans offense that I think are viable for the future. And that would be A.J. Brown, Delaney Walker, and Derrick Henry. Obviously, Delaney Walker is far and away the best player on that team right now with, uh, what's his stats, with five for 55 and two touchdowns. Now, those two touchdowns to kind of inflate the stats, but he could be that guy, that that red zone threat. And uh, (coughs) with Derrick Henry, what surprised me the most is one reception for 75 yards and a touchdown. You know, he's not known for catching the ball, and he only got one catch, but he turned that thing into a monster performance. He also, yeah. on top of that, he had 84 rushing yards and one touchdown. So, technically, he did very good. Uh, A.J. Brown, the only reason I say um, he's someone to keep an eye on is because I think he might be that new number one for the Titans. He only had three receptions, but he turned that into 100 yards. So, if he can get a few more receptions under his belt, there's no doubt he can have a touchdown in quite a bunch of yards at the end of the season. Yeah, I am a I am a staunch advocate against Corey Davis. Have been for a long time. Can't yeah. stand having Corey Davis on my fantasy team. He's he's one of the guys I just will not touch. And having AJ Brown step up, having three uh catches for 100 yards really really should give people a lot of uh, 
room for encouragement because, you know, Corey Davis has bugged a lot of people for a long time, and now they have a guy over there in Tennessee who can actually, I think, be a real number one receiver. Um, on the Derrick Henry catch, I don't want to give a lot of credit to Derrick Henry because he literally did not get touched. That offense did such an amazing job of blocking for him on that play. That was, that was the most well-blocked screen I might have ever seen. But I will give Derrick Henry credit for having 19 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. He did play well. I thought this game was the story of the NFL in week one. Have it, the Browns, who the media had pretty much crowned as the winners of the AFC North, get beat down by 30. For a Tennessee Titans team, that's probably not making the playoffs, if we're no, honest. No, and, and for a Tennessee Titans team, I don't think many people expected to do much. And that being said, Marcus Mariota had a very good game as well. I mean, that, that uh, Titans team in general had a very good offensive outing. And I think um, – I'm not on the Derrick Henry train just yet, but uh, for A.J. Brown, I'm definitely there. With Delaney Walker, he's a weird one for me because he had a great game, mm-hmm. but he's also one of those guys that has good games, has bad games, has good games, has bad games. And I don't quite trust that Titans offense just yet. So I think really the only guy that I'm going to hold on to or maybe even go get if for some reason A.J. Brown's on the waiver wire, I- I'd grab him for sure. Because he looks to be the number one over there in Tennessee. I I, uh, I completely agree with that. I'm not sold on Derrick Henry yet. We've all we've got a big enough body of work to know that he's he's not a consistent guy in the past. And Delaney Walker has been in the league so long. We have a very long, you know, uh, workload to look at uh, for many years of playing to see that he is not a top of the line fantasy tight end. But he does every once in a while put up big games. So he's he's a guy that you're going to have on your team. You just Normally, you don't start a Delaney Walker. Well, as we know in that game, Baker Mayfield did not have his best outing, uh, which is kind of uh, a downer for a lot of people who got Odell Beckham Jr. on their team because they expected Odell with Baker Mayfield to light it up. Are you worried at all, Tyler, from this week one performance from Odell and Baker Mayfield, or or you think it was just a a bad game in general? Well, I mean – I don't know why everyone was sleeping on the Titans' defense. They have a really good defense down there in Tennessee. And Baker, I mean, it's his second year. It's He hasn't even really played a full 16 games yet. So I, I don't know why everyone was crowning him the king, as Delaney Walker said in his press conference. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. If Odell can stay healthy, I mean, he moved to a new team. He's a smart guy. He'll learn the playbooks. I think this was just his first outing. And he'll he'll get I mean he'll get better. Baker will target him. Baker's not one of those guys who targets one person. He throws it all the way around the field. So he'll target him. He'll target Jarvis and Joku, Rashad Higgins, all these guys. He'll target all of them. I think Odell. He had an okay game, but I think in the future he's going to have those 100, 120 yard games that we're used to seeing yeah. with Odell Beckham. Yeah. And John, why don't you quickly touch on the Odell situation? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not worried big time about fantasy numbers for Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham or Nick Chubb for that matter. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, uh, I like Baker Mayfield's fantasy uh, future still. We have a year to work off of where he was just phenomenal last year. Um, he targeted nine different receivers. So like Tiger, Tyler said, he mixes the ball around a ton. Odell, I'm worried about him the least. He got targeted 11 times, caught seven passes. Um, some of those throws to him where he got targeted, if you look back and watch, Baker missed and threw an interception one time. Baker missed him a, like 
completely missed him a couple times. Um, he got seven for 71. He was a real possession guy in this game. Tennessee just played an outstanding game. But if Odell Beckham gets 11 targets a game, he's going to be a monster in fantasy. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not worried too much about Odell. And even Jarvis Landry, I think, will be a viable option um, at, a, at a backup or on your bench for a flex position if you need him in the future. Uh, but I want to get to a game uh, that the NFC East played. And I'm highly invested in this game because for those of you who listen to the original podcast and follow me on Twitter, know that I said Terry McLaurin would be a top 25 receiver by the end of the year. Now, I understand this is only week one. But from what I saw from him in week one, the man had five for seven with 125 yards and a touchdown, which led the receivers in, in, in that game. Well, I'm sorry, not in that game, for the, for the Redskins. I think uh, Terry McLaurin has a real shot at being a top 25 receiver. And I personally have him in one of my <laughs> leagues. And I think, uh, I think I was correct on the, on the breakout for me, the, the deep sleeper this year. Uh, any, any, any comments on my pick for Terry McLaurin? Yeah, well, I mean, go ahead, John. Okay, I was just going to say, um, Terry McLaurin, I didn't see him at all in the preseason, which lends, lends it to the fact that I guess they thought high enough of him to not play him, a rookie that was drafted in, I think, I believe the third round. Yeah. And uh, he had five for 125 and a touchdown, had that one deep touchdown. And the crazy thing is, the actually more encouraging thing is, Case Keenum missed another touchdown yes. bomb to him. In he would have had, had another 70-yard touchdown pass. He would have he had near 200 yards in his breakout debut had Case Keenum thrown the ball accurately in that one pass. Yes. So Terry McLaurin is a guy that the Redskins obviously feel is their top number one outside wide receiver. I mean, they targeted Chris like Thompson. It. Yeah, they targeted Chris Thompson a ton and Vernon Davis a ton. Paul Richardson had a bunch of underneath stuff. But Terry McLaurin seems like the guy. He had big plays. He had, uh, you know, uh, possession catches and stuff. I mean, I was all around impressed by his well, game. And, and just a quick story on Terry McLaurin. Um, he went to Ohio State to get a scholarship originally, and Irvin Myers told him he, he wasn't ready yet and he needed to go back to his house. And for a month straight, he needed to catch 200 passes every single day. And so he went home and he caught 200 passes every single day. He came back to Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer gave him a full ride. And so it just speaks to his, his work ethic and his heart because he was not the number one receiver in Ohio State. Um, but he did, he did uh, play on that practice squad against guys like Eli Apple. And, you know, obviously that Ohio State defense has had a lot of good defensive backs come through there. So he is, in my opinion, he is as NFL-ready as they come out of, out of college. And I think um, from what I saw in that Eagles-Redskins uh, game, I think he's, he's going to end up being their number one receiver, and I think he could easily – sneak into that top 25. For those of you who don't have him on your team, I would assume he's on just about every single league's waiver wire at this point. I would yeah. highly recommend going and grabbing him. Now, if you listen to me originally, he's already on your team, but I doubt anyone did. But I think, uh, I think that he's <laughs> someone that you should definitely go and grab. Yeah, uh, Tyler, um, tell me, what is your analysis on what went wrong with Darius Geis to talk about this game? Um, I mean, he looked amazing in his little preseason debut. It was crazy that they gave him 14 carries in that preseason. But, man, I, I don't know why you run this guy out here. He just got off the ACL injury that took him forever to get over. And you're running him out there, you bench AP, and you aren't even going to play AP. I would have 
I mean, I think this is totally the coach's fault that he got injured because he shouldn't have been out there playing as many snaps as he did. He, you know, he, sh- he should just go in there for a play or two, put AP in, and let him take some rest. He, he doesn't need to get into this thing super fast. You could have slowly got him into this. But now it's Adrian Peterson's show. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think in general, first of all, I, I like Jay Gruden as a coach, and I thought he did really well. They had a big lead going into the half, and they blew it. Uh, but uh, those Eagles, man, Carson Wentz, he looks like he's back on the horse. I mean, without any chance of an injury, I think we could see him as a top 10 uh, quarterback at the end of the season. But the real question and the real big thing that happened in that Eagles offense was Deshaun Jackson. Is he, is he, is he back to being a top-tier receiver, or was that just a, uh, just a big out, outing for his first week back in Philadelphia? If, if you look back at Deshaun Jackson and the teams that he goes to, whenever he goes to another team, the quarterback rating usually goes up. Deshaun Watson, or sorry, Deshaun Jackson, he's one of those players that just makes the quarterback better. He's so much better than all these other cornerbacks that are guarding him that he, he just gets open. Well, he's and so Carson much, eventually found it. He's so much quicker, and he's one of the few guys that can get over a top of defense that's still doing it at his age. And he's not that old, but he's definitely been around for a while. And I think, what did he have, two touchdowns in that game? I mean, he, he definitely lit it up. And, you know, not to slump on Alshon Jeffrey, who had a, also had a phenomenal outing. Uh, both receivers for the Eagles did tremendous in week one. And uh, there was a little bit of question mark about that running back situation. Um, Miles Sanders didn't have a terrible game. Fantasy-wise, he did. But uh, are you worried about that running back situation at all in the Eagles, John? No, I thought this is kind of how it would play out the whole time. I mean, the Eagles don't know who their number one is. They brought in Darren Sproles and used him the second most uh, as far as carries go behind Miles Sanders. Only gave Jordan Howard six carries. That trade seems kind of worthless right now if you're only going to give him six carries. Um, I I thought this is how the Eagles' backfield was going to be the whole time. I figured they'd spread it around to, you know, 15 different guys. Uh, They did it last year. They've they've had games where – people are running the ball well and they'll bring in Wendell Smallwood for six carries. So I don't quite understand all the time what the Eagles do with the running game, but. um, Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with the Eagles running game. In fact, I was thinking uh, to myself the whole time. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't take Miles Sanders like everybody was telling me to do. Uh, I am glad that Alshon Jeffrey was on my team. And I think he, 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 you know, Alshon Jeffrey is one of those guys that people don't usually go and grab until late in the draft. And um, he, I doubt he's on anybody's waiver wire, but if he is, I would definitely suggest going and grabbing him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I don't know. I just don't know about Deshaun Jackson because he'll do that. He's a great guy in best ball. I don't know if he's a good guy in your starting rotation every single week. Well, what's what's interesting about him is that he'll have a week like that where he gets two touchdowns for 100-plus yards, but then the next week he'll get 50 yards and and like two or three catches off of 18 targets. So, I mean, he's he's kind of an interesting guy, but – I think uh, takeaway from that Eagles team is uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz are definitely two guys you want on their team um, at the end of the week. I, I just want to touch one more time on Terry McLaurin because um, I, was, uh, I was ridiculed on Twitter and other places about my pick for Terry McLaurin. And if you're listening, I forget your name, whoever you were, you're on my hit list and I'm going to hit you up at the end of the year because I told you Terry McLaurin is a very viable receiver at that number one position. Yeah, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I think you may be right about this one, TJ. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I definitely am. He looked like uh, an absolute monster. And I may have to retract my statement of uh, rookie wide receivers can't do anything in their first year because so far in week one, 
it looks like every single rookie wide receiver is just blown up. So <laughs> except I, for I, well, uh, except for Nikhil Harry, who's now on the IR. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's disappointing. I will say though to all the people listening. I did tell TJ to draft Terry McLaurin, so there's that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, as a Michigan fan, I've seen a lot of Terry McLaurin in my days, so I knew what he was all about. Um, but- yeah, and if you if you look at this Redskins team too, I just want to say you might be wanting to get a piece of this Redskins team because it's looking like they're going to be the next uh, Los Angeles Rams or the next Kansas City Chiefs because, I mean, if you look through the past couple years, they have started off super hot, and the only thing that deters them is all their injuries. But if you look at their wide receiver core right now, you got Calvin Harmon, you got Terry McLaurin, you got Trey Quinn, you got all these young guys and the veterans out there to help them. And then even at running back, you got Bryce Love, you got Darius Geis, and then you got the older guy, Adrian Peterson, out there to help them. Same with quarterback. I mean, if you look at this team, they are poised to be one of those high-flying offenses. And I think in the next couple of years, they're going to be the next Kansas City Chiefs where everyone wants a piece of them. Well, and all that piece and Terry McLaurin. All that is pretty much to be determined on the shoulders of Dwayne Haskins. That's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. This team could end up being a really great fantasy team and a really good team in general if Dwayne Haskins ends up being a frontline starting well, quarterback. And that's the thing. Case Keenum is not their future. Um, he may be for the rest of the season, or at least the majority of the season, but Dwayne Haskins is definitely that future of that team. Um, whether or not he plays this year is still to be determined, but I think uh, lends, uh, lends a little bit more to the Terry McLaurin thing since they both played at the same time at the same school. So uh, if you're out there and you see Terry McLaurin on that waiver wire, you, you spend as much time and money as you can on that man because I think he'll end up doing good things for you. I want to touch on – uh, TJ, can we talk about Dak Prescott yet? <laughs> All right. Okay, I guess. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that game because – it wasn't really that interesting or that impressive. Just kidding. It wasn't bad. Dak Prescott, uh, he was perfect this week, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, and yeah one, one thing, I, I just, just easy, Cowboys fans, easy. I, I want to preference this by saying I thought, um, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott didn't play at full pace, and Tony Pollard got a lot of touches. But Zeke looked decent for, for the future. But I, what I really impressed me, was A, the Jason Witten touchdown pass, which I thought was amazing. But what I really took away from this thing is it looks like Michael Gallup and uh, Randall Cobb could could really break out this year. I mean, if Amari Cooper, for some reason, God forbid, goes down or has less than a stellar season, I think Michael Gallup could end up taking a lot of touches away and getting a lot of fantasy points by the end of the year. Yeah, just look at all these receivers coming out of Colorado. You got Michael Gallup, Preston Williams. Next year, you got LaVisca Chenault. I mean, it's it's looking like a crazy uh, receiver school over there. But, yeah, Michael Gallup, they were talking him up all in camp because Amari Cooper wasn't there for most of it because he had that foot issue. And so Michael Gallup and Dak Prescott got to work on that chemistry. And even if you watch last year, uh, Michael Gallup looked amazing. It's just Dak couldn't hit him on those long balls, which is what Michael Gallup is really good at. Well, John, could we see um, at the end of the year sort of how the Vikings were a couple of years ago with the Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen? Can we see that with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup this year? Yeah, and we can even see more of it with Randall Cobb as the third guy. I think Randall Cobb, obviously, from what people saw, is an upgrade in the slot over Cole Beasley, who's now in Buffalo. Wish him all the luck in the world. Uh, Michael Gallup is turning into a legitimate number two who is actually 
a legitimate deep threat, as we've seen in the past. Last year, Dak missed him a lot and was ridiculed for that. But Michael Gallup gets behind the defense a lot. I think the real testament of this game is how Kellen Moore's offense is going to affect these people in fantasy now. Because he, he ran a lot of different stuff, more creative stuff, tons of motion in the offense. And it resulted in Dak Prescott having his career best game from a passer rating standpoint. Had 405 yards, which was the Cowboys opening season record, um, by the way. And, uh, you know, Zeke will get going. The offense will change a little bit because Zeke will get going and he'll start getting back closer to 20 carries. But Michael Gallup, I believe, is here to stay as a legitimate fantasy option. And I think he'll continue to prove it. Yeah, and I just wanted to add on that Kellen Moore uh, topic you brought us on, John, is if you look at last week's game, uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs had motions about, you know, where they motion players over. They had at about 36% of the times. The Dallas Cowboys, who with Scott Linehan, was at the bottom of the league in motions. They had 56% of the time they had motions in that game. Well, Kellen Moore is disguising everything. He, he may be a genius, and he may be the next Sean McVay, well, at least in week one so far. What I like well, to say it, about the Cowboys is, you know, Jason Witten's not a viable position or player for you to have in your fantasy, but Amari Cooper and uh, Dak Prescott are probably on most people's fantasy teams, and obviously Ezekiel Elliott. But I think the one guy that – may not be on a lot of teams is Michael Gallup. I think he'd be a very viable position and viable player for you to pick up and at least have as a, a guy there in the bye weeks on your bench. I Yeah, I assume he's on multiple waiver wires. I would encourage everybody to go get him. Yeah, like Tyler was saying with the motions, the thing about that is we see it on the Rams and the Chiefs offenses, how open it gets a lot of the receivers and it translates into multiple fantasy points. And I, I mean, you're not seeing a lot of the bad teams in the league do that as much and it doesn't result in as many fantasy points well since we jumped over to the cowboys and you guys love kellen moore so so much we do do you, do you know what team he played for before he came to the cowboys boise i state. believe it was the detroit lions it was the detroit lions oh i, who, I thought you meant boise state no no i don't want to spend too much time on the detroit lions but uh i'm a big detroit lions fan and i was thoroughly disappointed in their first week we ended with a tie 27 27 what I took away from that game was, one, play management was terrible, but I don't want to get into that. But uh, what I really took away from that is Kyler Murray might be the real deal because although his first half was pretty bad, his second half, he really, really took off. And I think that Larry Fitzgerald had a great game. I think that uh, Kyler Murray might be the real deal this year. It takes – yeah, it takes a lot from a quarterback to be, you know <laughs> – Having as many incompletions as he had by halftime, how bad of a first half he had that you touched on, TJ, it takes a pretty mentally tough quarterback to come back and have the second half he did. Um, and, you know, they put up 18 points in the last, what was it, 10, 9 or 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, it, it Just everything changed. And I don't know if that was a testament to the Lions defense, you know, kind of collapsing a little bit or if it was, you know, a complete um, – you know, wake up call of Kyler Murray. Uh, I, I just, 
if he's going to throw 54 passes a game, I think you need to put him on your team as the number, one of the number one guys this year. Yeah. If he's going to throw 54 passes, that's Roethlisberger numbers from last year. That translates to a lot of points. Yeah, I think on that uh, Cardinals team, by far the standout was Kyler Murray. David Johnson had a pretty good game. Um, I foresee him, you know, continuing to do well in the, in the, in the year to come. Uh, but my real question is on those receivers, I mean, who, who's going to end up being the number one? Because obviously Christian Kirk is over there, but um, uh, Larry Fitzgerald ended up having a pretty good game. I think he was the number one receiver on that team. Yeah, and Larry Fitzgerald, as long as he's on that team, will be the number one option. I, he's an ageless wonder. I, I really hope that maybe he plays next year. That would be great. But the man needs a Super Bowl. It, it's 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 ridiculous that he hasn't got one yet. He is a all-time talent. He's a Hall of Famer, but I think he is definitely the number one on this team until he retires. Yeah, dadgum yeah. Santonio Holmes. <laughs> Taking I, I would, that one away from him. I would like to touch a little bit on the Lions because there was a couple standouts. I thought Carryon Johnson was one of my breakouts, but I figured Carryon Johnson would take a couple weeks to warm up. But one guy that really showed up is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end. Man, he had a great game. And, you know, I I know he's a rookie and the Detroit Lions took him in the first round, but it looks like from week one that he is a first-round talent uh, from what I could tell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he looks so much better than when they drafted Eric Ebron. It's, you know, a lot of people had doubts when they drafted TJ Hawkinson because of Eric Ebron. And, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, he's the real deal. I don't know if he's the best tight end in this class because we haven't seen Noah Fant yet, but – I, I think, well, I, I forgot they did play this week. But, I mean, T.J. Hawkinson had an amazing game. And I, I think he's the real deal. I think he could be a center point in this offense. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, I think in general, Kenny Galladay had a great game. Uh, well, a good game. Uh, on Johnson had a less than par game. But Matthew Stafford ended up showing why he's deserving of a, a, a you know, at least a top top 12 quarterback ranking in the fantasy football. I've, I've always been a fan of having Matthew Stafford at least as that number two quarterback on your team. I would, uh, yeah, I would add this about TJ Hawkinson. Um, he would, I, I get, keep getting conflicting reports, but he either had the first or the second best debut for a tight end ever. Okay, that's pretty gaudy stat to throw out at you. The first or second best debut for a tight end ever in NFL history, I don't see how it goes, uh, you know, wrong from here. If you're a guy that's going to get targeted nine times at the tight end position per game, you're going to put yourself in the top echelon of the tight ends. And for him to do it as a rookie would be monumental because we know how, you know, slow it takes tight ends um, to develop and how long it usually takes them to become fantasy studs. I'm really, really excited by what I saw on TJ Hawkinson. Um, maybe Danny Amendola could be a guy you stash too on your. Uh, I don't league. know if I'd I go don't, as far I don't, as I don't. that, but but I mean, you still have Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay on that team. But to the TJ Hawkinson point, I would assume that probably forty percent of all the fantasy leagues out there might have him on their waiver wire because I'm not sure if too many people grabbed him in the draft. So if he's out there, I'd go get him for sure because he is poised to have a great season. Uh, Danny Amendola, I don't, I wouldn't take a chance on him. Kenny Galladay. I would definitely keep him on your team and start him again next week. I think he's going to have another good week. Um, he's going to continue to improve. And I think Carryon Johnson, while he had a first week that was less than uh, good, 
I think his week two and week three will definitely show that he's deserving of having that number two running back position on your team. I would like to jump into real quick, if we can, um, there were some problems this week with the, uh, with the Rams wide receiver core. You know, they have a lot of talent on that wide receivers uh, position, but uh, ended off the week with Robert Woods, eight for 13, or I'm sorry, eight, eight receptions for 70 yards, uh, Cooper Cup, seven for 46, and Brandon Cooks, two for 39 with no touchdowns. Does that worry you guys at all? Because I had trouble at the beginning of the year deciding who the number one would be on that team, who would end up being the fantasy leader. And the week one definitely didn't help with that conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I still like Cooper Cup in that offense. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of like Darius Guys. He's just getting back from an ACL. You can't just throw this man into the fire. He's not going to put up 300 yards in his first game. I, I think this is a good game for him. You know, he's getting back. He caught seven balls. That's pretty good. And if you're in a PPR league, he's still going to be a valuable asset because he will get those yarded, yards after the catch. It's just a matter of time for him. Uh, but I, I think some people are figuring out this Rams offense. I don't think they can do what they did last year. No, no. And, and it's, it's very hard to have uh, three top-tier wide receivers like that on your team with the addition of uh, Todd Gurley and, and now Malcolm Brown. Um, and, you know, to see Jared Goff do what he did last year is going to be a, a tough ask. I do think that uh, Cooper Cup will have a good season, um, but I just don't know if any one of them is going to be a top-tier receiver at the end of the year. John, do you have any opinions on those guys at all? Um, the one thing that was interesting to me is after Cooper Cup went down last year, Robert Woods became the main target guy, the main reception guy. And that continued this year into week one. Robert Woods had 13 targets at eight receptions over Cooper Cup's 10 targets for seven receptions. So I wonder if the uh, trust and the chemistry built between Jared Goff and Robert Woods in the latter half of the year through the playoffs might have cemented Robert Woods as the favorite to Jared Goff over Cooper Cup. It's an interesting point to keep watching. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks uh, only had six targets for two receptions in that game. So, yeah, it looks like there's a, a, a very uh, structured tier level to the receivers, and Robert Woods is the clear number one as far as week one went. But Cooper Cup can hang around there, and I think what's great about having a Cooper Cup on your team is he's a touchdown hound, and I think he can hang around that, that red zone and grab a few touchdowns by the end of the season. Was there any other standouts in that game at all that you guys uh, looked at in the Rams uh, win other than Christian McCaffrey, who just well, blew the I, world apart? You, you can talk about him in a minute. I would just like to say that Malcolm Brown made a lot of fantasy owners very mad this yeah. week, sniping two goal line touchdowns from Todd Gurley. That is, that is just the worst. I'm sorry for everyone. Yes, it is. I, I mean – uh, that Rams was less than par. That Rams-Panthers uh, uh, game was less than par. Um, Christian McCaffrey did what Christian McCaffrey do, did. Shows why he's a top three pick in the draft. But uh, I think uh, all in all, uh, the Rams, I'm worried about. I'm worried about everyone on that team. I think Cooper Cup will be the star of that Rams team at the end of the year, unless Todd Gurley can come back to his full steam. Uh, but I'm a little worried about that Rams, especially from week one. Yeah, and I just wanted to say I think Sean McVay's finally gotten into that category of you cannot trust the man what he says because he said Todd Gurley was not going to be on a touch count and Todd Gurley only had 14 carries. It was for 97 yards. He did amazing. But I think for those people that took Todd Gurley with the second round, you know, fifth pick in the second round, that you're going to be sorry for that. 
I, I tried to warn everyone that Todd Gurley, eventually his knee's going to give out. And, I mean, it might not this year because they're limiting his touch counts, but he's not going to get 97 yards every week off of 14 carries. And no. I also just wanted to highlight also uh, the DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel uh, buzz. It looks like DJ Moore's the number one wide receiver. Curtis Samuel, looks, Curtis Samuel looked like, you know, Curtis Samuel. And he's had problems with injuries, but DJ Moore looks like that number one. He did have a fumble, but I think that, you know, he's going a bit up against a good Rams defense. So I think you can definitely slot DJ Moore in there for your number, you know, your number two wide receiver and you'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. DJ Moore is a great grab. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is probably on nobody's waiver wire. And if he is, you're in the wrong fantasy league. Uh, I want to touch on one more game this week that kind of stood out uh, before we wrap this up, and that would be the embarrassing 33-3 to Patriots win over the Steelers. Now, the Steelers coming into week one uh, with uh, James Conner, Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster were slated to have a phenomenal outing. Obviously, Tom Brady and those Patriots with uh, the addition of Josh Gordon were going to have a good day. But uh, what happened to those Steelers? Why is it that they walked away with three points and uh, the, the whole team in general looked bad? Yeah, uh, Juju, on a lot of the things, he was just going up against Stephon Gilmore. And Stephon Gilmore might be the best cornerback in the NFL. He, he covered Juju like a blanket. And, I mean, that's what the Patriots do. They take away your best option to beat them. And they say, you got to beat me with the other guys. And that brings me to Dante Moncrief, who looked – absolutely horrible in that game all these people were talking up Dante Moncrief and I just wanted to point out that me and Jonathan both said James Washington will take over this spot and I think it's looking that way because James Washington he had an okay game and I, I think that he will eventually take over the spot Dante Moncrief can't catch whatsoever no I mean Dante Moncrief I think me and you knew that he was going to get outpaced by at least James Washington and James Washington had two catches for 51 yards seems like a big play guy like we kind of slated him in as in this offense yeah like Juju was covered by a very good corner you'd like to see him do a little more as he's projected as one of the top by us one of the top five receivers in the NFL so you'd like to see him do a little more I thought the real story for the Steelers was the lack of any production whatsoever from James Conner and really the lack of touches whatsoever to James Conner. They only had, you know, 12 rushes by running backs total. And it wasn't like they were down 33-3 to the whole game. They were in the game for the entire first half. And to only have 12 total rushes for the entire game from the Steelers just kind of boggles the mind when you had a, a guy who finished in the top seven of fantasy running backs last year. Big Ben did not have a good completion percentage. He finished almost... I mean, a little over 50% for his completion percentage. Didn't throw a touchdown. The Patriots are obviously going to do what they're going to do against certain teams. But, I mean, this is not a unique Patriots thing. The Chiefs, well, every time the Chiefs play them, they blow up the Patriots in the regular season as far as numbers go at least. So I would, I would, I would put this game more on coaching for the Steelers because – there are a lot of things to be desired here. And it's not like the Steelers killed themselves with penalties either. They only had six. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not too worried because uh, I think James Conner is a viable starting running back for that Steelers team. And Juju Smith-Schuster, like we've already said, is a top five wide receiver. I think it was just a bad outing in general. And Ben Roethlisberger did not have his best game that week, week one. 
but, uh, you know, the Patriots looked good. I mean, the only true crazy standout to me would be Josh Gordon. I mean, he's back. He's done getting in trouble, and I think he's uh, ready to go. I think he could end up taking that number one spot away from Edelman this year. What about uh, Philip Dorsett? Oh, well, yeah, Philip Dorsett. Uh, Philip Dorsett's always been there. I don't know about that. Josh Gordon, you know, Julian Edelman. Edelman's Tom Brady's guy. I think Josh Gordon, he will get his, and he is an amazing talent. But now you got Antonio Brown over there, and I think he is the one to challenge Edelman for those touches. Uh, I just wanted to add on the Patriots running back situation. Sony Michelle, everyone loved him coming in to this year. I think he'll still have a good year. But I saw all over Twitter people saying that, uh, you know, with Sony Michelle, with Damian Harris, with all these guys in the backfield, that James White was had no value. And James White looked like James White. He had a bunch of yards on the ground. Well, not a bunch on the ground, but he had a bunch through the air. And Rex Burkhead got his, and it was Sony Michelle who was kind of left out to dry. But well, this, yeah, this proves the golden rule for the Patriots, doesn't it, TJ? Yeah, never, ever, ever draft a Patriots running back, ever. Yeah. Because it's, no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter how good they are, you will always have a split backfield, no matter yeah. what. I mean, it's Rex Burkhead got touches <laughs> in that game. I mean, what? What do you expect with a team like that? You know, the Patriots look good, but since we're talking about the Patriots, I would like to ask a question. Antonio Brown, as we all know, has had his situation these past few weeks with his injuries and his helmet issue. And I have been saying for a couple weeks now that he's trying not to play for the pay or pay for the Oakland this year. And he ended up playing for the Patriots. Does anyone here think that Belichick had a hand in Antonio Brown? doing all of that in order to come play for him are we ask, are we asking if belichick did something illegal well I, i'm not saying illegal <laughs> the do default answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> the answer is he'll do anything to win uh, no i think i think tyler is right i think when antonio brown does come play for the patriots that he will take that number one spot i think there's no doubt about that he is still a top tier wide receiver and and tom brady is is no slump at the quarterback position obviously he's one of the greatest to ever do it so I think Tyler is right. Antonio Brown will take the bulk of those receptions. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious if that if there was any kind of foul play in that whole situation. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the Patriots alone. I don't <laughs> I don't want any part of that. I, I'm I'm gonna leave my thoughts in my head. I will say for the people who uh, are thinking that Antonio Brown going to the Patriots is going to give him uh, Pittsburgh Steeler production, are going to be sorely disappointed. They do not throw enough, and there are too many other options that Tom Brady is going to throw to for Antonio Brown to be uh, in the same category that he has been with Pittsburgh. This is not a fantasy revival situation. I do think he can be within the uh, uh, top 12 or 13 at the end of the season because, I mean, Edelman always has a good outing. But with Edelman and Josh Gordon on that team, he is going to get a lot less uh, touches. And with that running back core – and the way that Belichick likes to run his offense, he's obviously not going to have the same production. He's not going to get those hundreds of uh, targets at the end of the year like he did well, in Roethlisberger. Brady just doesn't throw the ball near as much as Roethlisberger does. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's weird. A lot of people remember when uh, – what? oh, gosh, what was his name? Not Jerry Rice. Who played for the Patriots? Randy, Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. Yeah, it's weird to see wow. two guys – that 
are like Randy Moss on the same team with the Patriots and Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. They both kind of had their issues, just like Randy Moss had his issues. But it, I, I'm, I'm interested to see which one of them is going to be the more productive wide receiver. And, of course, you can't count out Julian Edelman. He, he might go into the Hall of Fame just because of his playoff performance throughout the years. But yeah, definitely a very good wide receiver. There's not, there's when it comes to the Patriots, there's not a lot of fantasy options in my opinion, Uh, but there are a few guys that you could look at. Um, I just think that uh, the way the Steelers played week one, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that's not how it's going to be for the rest of the season, because that would be a, a sore letdown to a lot of teams out there because James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster on a lot of teams out there as well as Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Hey TJ. Um, with Antonio Brown going to the Patriots, Josh Gordon producing a little bit, <clears throat> can you tell people when Nikhil Harry gets back from IR, what is the value with him? Like, what well, what do you think his value is? The, the value with Nikhil Harry, coming out of the draft, I thought Nikhil Harry was the best all-around wide receiver, and I still believe that. Um, but fantasy-wise, he's on the Patriots. And with Ed, I mean, Edelman and, and Antonio Brown are both getting up there in age. They'll still have a, a few more years left in them. Uh, but Josh Gordon, if he continues to stay playing, he's definitely got that position. Those receivers have the position on lock. And Nikhil Harry, with the, the time down, he's going to miss a lot, a lot of a lot of attempts, a lot of practices, and a lot of field times. I don't think this season Nikhil Harry has any value whatsoever. If you have him in a dynasty league, I would hold on to him because, like I said, I think he is the – best talent coming out uh, you know I had him ranked at number one Marquise Brown ranked at that number two position um, and after that it was kind of a wash for me it looks like AJ Brown's going to make that that number three spot but uh, Nikhil Harry's value in a, in a PPR league this year is 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 not worth it to me at all uh, dynasty I would hold on to him and just see what happens yeah and what looked like at the beginning of the season a Patriots team with absolutely no wide receiver depth is now one of the most stacked wide receiver rooms in the NFL with Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. You got Nikhil Harry on IR. You got Jacoby Myers. Philip Dorsett put up 95 yards. Philip Philip Dorsett, Jacoby Myers. You got all these older guys, and then you got a bunch of younger guys for the future. The Patriots, when Bill Belichick retires, they will still be good. Yeah. No, Belichick is uh, definitely very good at building teams. He he, he has a little uh, room in the back where he is making players to – to join his team <laughs> for the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, yeah. I think it was uh, all around. I was excited about week one. Um, that, uh, that last game, the, uh, uh, the Texas and the saints definitely ended in a very crazy way with uh, Drew Brees showing that he deserves that top tier quarterback position uh, coming back for the win. Uh, yeah. I just want to touch on that game just a little bit. Uh, Deshaun or Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Watson looked very good in that game. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, he had two touchdowns, looked very good in that game as well. Um, I think uh, Michael Thomas looked very good. Alvin Kamara just went off in that game. I think that uh, both the um, the Saints and the Texans both will have a great fantasy outing. Even someone like Will Fuller had a great game as well to have there at your flex position or even in – in the bench if you have them. I think that that game ended up as a great game to watch. So I was pretty excited and happy about week one in the NFL. Looking forward to week two. Um, Hopefully we can cover it a little bit more in depth. Uh, We'd like to get another podcast going in the middle of the week 
and just go over some of our best matchups for the for week two. Um, anything closing for you guys you want to talk about real quick? Tyler, Jonathan? Uh, well, I just wanted to put out there our social medias. We have Fantasy Squads with a Z. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Go hit us up. Ask us questions. We run polls on there. We ask questions. We give you some advice. So go go look at those pages. And, of course, you'll be able to find Jonathan and TJ as uh, the Fantasy Squad's friends on there. TJ, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, FF Squad Leader. Um, I'm killing it. I'm killing it in the Twitter game right now. John is, Jonathan has uh, a a decent following of what is it? 80 people now? Uh, 91. 91. Hey, we're going to get a hundred by the end of the year. Listen, I've talked talked about it before. I, I coming into this thing, I was the most un social media guy anyone has ever met, but I am trying guys. Follow me at fifth quarter FF. That's five T H Q T R F F. Um, would love to hear from you guys. I ran a poll tonight on the Sean, uh, Sean, I keep doing that too. The DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas battle. Um, we appreciate everybody liking us, following us on Twitter, checking out the videos. It's a, it's a big help to us. Yeah. And we're, and we're young, new kids trying to get this thing figured out. We're all bearded men, which is a, a good thing for, for fantasy football, I've been told. Um, but, uh, yeah, please like and subscribe and comment on the podcast, and we appreciate the support. This is uh, TJ Squad Leader signing out. See you guys. See ya. Have a good weekend.